before you leave tonight, don't forget we got Girl Scout cookies. I got. Oh, I got, is that right? I got a box of Thin Mints, icing in the icing. freezer. Yeah, there's no other way to eat Thin Mints is unless they're straight out of the freezer. You know what I mean? I think that's just the best way to have them by far. Absolutely, Thin Mints far and away need to be in the freezer. Uh, and you need to uh, eat a whole sleeve at one time, all in one sitting. Mm, yeah. You think that's right? It's I like, mean, that's how I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you cannot have just one thin mint. No, 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 no. Because no. they're so thin. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's like it's, I don't even know or realize that I'm eating thin mints until I'm halfway done with the sleeve because yeah, it's, it's like nothing. Exactly. You know? It's like they just like melt in your mouth. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I honestly though, I like thin mints like I mean, they're definitely up there, but like and if we're gonna like compare them to all the other Girl Scout cookies, like I don't really like a whole lot of the other Girl Scout I'm not a Samoa guy. I don't like Samoas and I think it's the coconut portion of it that kinda gets me. Um, dosi dos, not a fan, honestly, not a huge dosi dough guy. Um, what are the other ones? What am I missing? We got the shortbread, the trefoils. Okay, is that what those called? aren't terrible, I guess. Those are, terrible. Those are okay. What about the lemon kind? The lemons are. Pretty I like good. the lemon cream ones. Those are kind of good. Yeah, I feel like no one ever gets those ever. And the, how about the tagalongs, the peanut butter? I don't know. I don't like tagalongs. Those either. feel like like they melt like instantly. Like, they, like, turn into goo. Yeah, I wouldn't know. I don't really eat tag. Tagalongs are peanut butter. Chocolate it, peanut butter. That's it? Okay. Yeah, I think so. So so you're all about the Thin Mints. So you're going thin along with the, with the herd yeah, on yeah, this yeah. one. Yeah, absolutely. So you're all about the Thin Mints. So, okay, I just thought, like, it'd be, I did look this up. I was curious. Like, I feel like now that this is all online and these these girls come to our door and they got their iPad, and they already have the cookies. Like, when I grew up, and maybe you remember this, you'd order the cookies, and it would be, like, six months before they would show up at They'd your door. They'd have their little, like, like checkboard, like, their checklist or whatever, right. and they would write down your address, and they would write down, like, how many of each one you wanted, and then they would, like, have you pay or whatever, and then, yeah, you would you'd, just get them one day. You'd write a check or give them cash, yeah. and then you'd wait six months. Now it's, like... This is like serious sales operation. They've got mm-hmm. I, I, they got the iPhone app. You they they can swipe your credit card, right? Like and like you're, and then you get the cookies like right now. Like it's it's pretty much. So I don't even know. I, I I don't know, but I'm guessing like they are selling so many more cookies now than ever, right? And like absolutely. And, and so and then you can get them like six or seven times. It was like originally it's like you see one Girl Scout and then you get your bunch. And then that'd be it. But now it's like you can get them constantly. So yeah, I recently saw a video actually of a couple Girl Scouts posted up outside of a, I think it was a sorority or a fraternity house on a college campus, <laughs> and they were just sitting waiting for all those drunk college kids to come up on something. Man, so I think that might be the best thing I've seen in terms of Girl Scout marketing. That's absolutely uh, right. knowing where your customers are. Exactly, and who your customers are. <laughs> And what their state of mind is so at the time. So you haven't seen any outside of a uh, a certain green establishment. That would be the other place. Exactly. I would just suspect, a, a right? Right out of a dispensary. <laughs> exactly. Somewhere. Exactly. So you got the you got the stand. I, <laughs> yeah. And then you got your munchies for purchase right outside. You know, as soon as as yeah. soon as you're done. That's serious. But That's uh, serious. okay. Anyways, well, we're back. Episode four, playing catch. I'm Ben here with my dad, Bruce. 
we were here not too long ago, but we thought we'd just pick back right where we left off and uh, keep her going. Because hey, uh, I think today is a, an important day in the baseball world, to say the least, right? Okay. I wasn't done talking about Girl Scout oh, cookies. Oh, okay. Yet. My bad. Sorry. I didn't need to, like... Well, that's cool. I just What were you going to say about Girl Scout I was just going to say, did you, know, did you know that every year Girl Scouts sell $210 billion Billion. Billion. With a B. With a B. Girl Scout cookies. 25% of them are the Thin Mints, of course. Someone cue the Owen Wilson. Wow. <laughs> you know, like, wow. They make $714 million a year That's on the Girl insane. Scout cookie deal. That's insane. That I'm sure, like, the economy benefits from it, like, on some level, you know? Is there, like, a slight spike in you know productivity because girl scout <laughs> cookies are just you know like swarming the country right now yeah you know, maybe like anyway i'm sorry i didn't like take us off the track but i just think that's interesting billion that's billion yeah. like that's the number of cookies they sent sell, sell 210 billion with the b that's insane i think i ate 10 <laughs> percent of those yeah. those like <laughs> Like I, they, two they, billion, that's let me. me tell you, they two need they need every single one of those cookies to be made. That's that's for sure. They, that's for sure. Okay. But okay. Anyways, yeah. moving on from the cookies. Right, um, today actually was the day picture. Or no, it was yesterday. It was yesterday. Pitchers and catchers reported yeah, yeah. Uh, for day one of spring training. That's a pretty big deal if you're a baseball fan. The wait is finally over. People are back on diamonds. Games are going to be set to be played for spring training end of the month. It's getting exciting. It's coming up fast. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I mean, of course, in another week or so, we'll have games, and that's when it really gets interesting. Of course, now we'll have the, uh, for the next week or so, we'll be watching Twitter, and there'll be the people posting, you know, uh, the videos of guys in the cage. And it'll be stuff like, oh, look at Josh Donaldson holding court. Did you oh. see that video, too, today yeah, of Josh yeah, yeah. Donaldson? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Him in the cage yeah. there down in Fort Myers. And, like, not, you know, it's funny because, like, it's just batting practice, and then you're, you're transfixed. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I, any kind of baseball. I don't even care. It was I'm watching, you know, I'm, I'm watching, like, the pitchers hit off a tee. Like, that's interesting. Yeah, I watched <laughs> the 30-second the video that you're referring to is Josh Donaldson taking two less than 100% swings, but I watched it four or five times, you know? So, like... <laughs> and then the other thing you watch is the... It's the it's the the pitchers doing the drill where they're covering first base. Like, that's PFPs. the other drill. <laughs> right? That was my favorite high school baseball was the PFPs. You just... You, I think it gets to a point where you just want to sit behind the mound and wait your turn, you know? And it's just, like... You got to do it because you got to do it's it. Either, yeah, so it's either that video. It's, it's the video of them doing that drill, like, uh, over and over again. Mm. Or playing catch in the outfield. That's the other Very video. Very nonchalant <laughs> catch, you know. <laughs> so, like, that's, like, what baseball fans are salivating over right now is watching exactly. watching guys playing catch in the outfield. Honestly, I think the coolest thing I saw today was not even the baseball itself, but the guys walking into the clubhouse <laughs> with their street clothes on. I think that was the most exciting thing I saw. There you go. There you go. Know? But no autographs, unfortunately, because they're, they're not allowed to interact with the fans. But, yeah, no, that's also – that. yeah, those are – I think we're capturing sort of the classic first day of spring training mm-hmm. kind of visuals and so hopefully it'll get a little bit more interesting than that but yeah even watching that you know yeah so the next stage we'll be watching like rounds of like different uh, rotations so you'll have like uh 
Donaldson, Cruz, and Polanco exchanging swings, or, or even better yet, it'll be like Donaldson, Kirilov, and Royce Lewis, right? So you get mm-hmm. to watch the young guys, and you can watch the veterans right. all taking their cuts in the cage. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's um, <laughs> you can tell we're excited. It's a little, I mean, it's a little bittersweet if we're going to be completely honest, because last year at this time. We were scheduled to go to Fort Myers and witness this whole thing. Um, and that, of course, was blown up uh, by yeah. the, the pandemic. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, I, I mean, you always uh, reiterated the fa- how excited you were to see all the young guys, you know, work, work out like on the, on the facility that you're very familiar with. Yeah, uh, so going to the backfields and all the rest, so... Uh, and watching the young guys play and mm-hmm. check them out, and especially the prospects. Now, yeah, so that's always fun. So it's it's a great experience, and yeah, we didn't get to go last year and won't go this year, but maybe maybe next year. Let's just cross our. But you can say you've shared fields with these gentlemen, though. That is correct. So right? so well, um, a little bit. I mean, obviously, I did the Twins Fantasy Camp thing, and we'll like do a thing on this at some point down the road. But oh, I, yeah. we did the Twins Fantasy Camp. Oh gosh, it's been a long about six years ago. I love it. Great, years it's ago? a great deal. Awesome. If you ever get a chance to do it, um, I totally recommend it. Ben and I are thinking about how we're going to do it together one of these days mm-hmm. when he's uh, old enough. I have to be an old – yeah, there, there's an age limit that you have to meet or yeah. there's an age requirement. I forget how much it is. It's like late 20s maybe when you have your dad with you. Right. You have to go with your – So, like, if it's just yourself – Without, like, your dad, it's, like, I think it's in your 30s. But if it's, like, I think it's younger. So, anyway, uh, it's uh, it's an awesome thing. Yeah, going – so I've, I've spent time in the locker rooms. Uh, actually, when we did this, the fantasy cap, there would be some young players uh, actually in the locker room that would be working out independently, some of the young young kids. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, – Fort Myers is an awesome facility. It's an awesome place, obviously. If you ever get a chance to get down there, totally recommend it. Absolutely. So definitely. All right. Beautiful so the spot. Yeah, yeah. So the twins um, continued to make additions. Uh, no big, you know, huge signings, but a couple sort of filling in gaps. About what we expected after. Yeah. All the big signings, I think. Exactly. I think we talked about them maybe going out and getting themselves sort of a bargain. Starting pitcher, kind of like a Rich Hill, uh, Homer Bailey, uh, Martin Perez kind of signing, like they've done in years past under the new regime, and they did exactly that. They got Matt Shoemaker. Matt Shoemaker. Matt Shoemaker. Interesting ad, honestly. Uh, I think he, I believe he came up in 2014, uh, and was actually uh, he had a great rookie season. Uh, finished second or third in rookie of the year voting had a great year and since then just hasn't been able to stay on the mound uh consistently in terms of injuries he's had a lot of fluke injuries if we're being completely honest he got hit in the head by a line drive i think in 2016 he tore his acl not too long ago and that set him back he's had some forearm issues so he hasn't been able to really establish himself uh in terms of you know, a guy that can stay on the mound uh, without injury. Uh, he's had some issues there. But uh, when he has played, there's been promise. And uh, I, I think we're pretty high on our uh, pitching coaches and what they've done with guys uh, in the past, such as the Martin Perez's and the, you know, guys of that nature. So it'll be, it'll be cool to have, in addition uh, to the staff, make us just a little bit deeper, uh, take – uh, the load off some of these other guys probably and 
you know, kind of mix and match at the end of that rotation, see what he can kind of do and uh, hopefully bring a little experience to the table as well. Yeah, I mean, you got to believe he's going to be uh, penciled in right now to be that fifth starter, um, uh, allowing the team to have more depth. So you still got Dobnek, Thorpe, Smeltzer, all his options. I imagine all of them, now that we know that Thorpe has a, one more uh, option left, will probably, if not all three, two or three, two of the three will probably be down in St. Paul, down the street, and uh, maybe one will be in the bullpen. I expect, with them all having options, I literally think you're going to see stuff where you know, obviously there's that 10-day window where you can't bring a guy back up. At, but I, I expect it to be almost like a, like a revolving door among those three guys. Mm -hmm. Like, right? So, you know, let's say they need a long reliever in Dobnik. Uh, he does four or five innings because of a short start. He gets sent down and they bring up Thorpe and then he's there in the bullpen. And uh, so I think that's where the St. Paul situation is really interesting in terms of adding to the depth and allowing some flexibility. And Shoemaker providing a veteran presence. Yeah, understanding is he's got pretty good um a slide a, a sinker that sort of a, is a swing and miss kind of pitch and they i guess the buzz now is of course with west johnson uh working with them probably see him using the slider a little bit more so we'll see how he sort of changes his routine and what that means hopefully like you said hopefully he stays healthy but the good news is that they've got some depth now they've got three mm -hmm. other guys that probably can you know take on two starts and we all know about like the opener so i feel like they're in a pretty good position I mean, so a $2 million signing, you right. know, a week after the Trevor Bauer, uh, $102 million signing is just kind of interesting. A little anticlimactic, yeah, a little but, bit, you know. It's not exactly that. So and I guess that the other thing you'd say about this is that it maybe more or less closes the book on a return by Jake Odorizzi. Yep. So uh, probably not a spot for him. It'll be interesting to see what happens to him now. I, I feel bad for the guy. It just seems like he does not get a break. I mean, he obviously took the qualifying offer last year, uh, probably could have gotten more money on the market if he would have declined it, end up having a crappy season uh, by not getting on the field. And so by definition, is probably going to struggle in terms of getting people to pick him up because of the injury history, even though none of it was arm-related. Uh, back, uh, finger, yeah. Rib cage, you know, nothing kind of a little bit like you talk about with shoemakers it's bad luck mm -hmm. So we're gonna hope that Jake lands somewhere good He gets to be have a good season and hopefully he doesn't come back to haunt us. Yeah, 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 yeah. no, I that was the The one question mark I think was you know, we talked about last week was is OD gonna make a return if not who's gonna be the guy that is gonna show up in, in his spot and uh, it, it sounds like Shoemaker is going to fit right in with that rotation. Um, with that sinker, especially, too, get some ground balls, you know, use that infield that we were talking yeah, about last exactly, week and exactly. let, let them do their thing, you know. Yeah, so no, that's going to be something I'm definitely looking forward to. And hopefully he can kind of bounce back and, you know, find find some consistency and, and stay on the mound this year and put some good numbers up for him. So. Yeah, it's just interesting to watch how the Twins go about this, right? They sort of let the market come to them. It's, you know, and now things are sort of shifting in terms of, and, and so we're seeing, we'll still be interesting to see what happens to Odorizzi if he gets any kind of market value. Uh, we saw Paxton signing with the Mariners this week for like about $11 million. Yes. Yeah, we saw yeah, yeah. Rosenthal, the reliever, signing with the A's with the for A's, a one-year yeah. $11 million. Our buddy, our buddy Romo went to Oakland as well. Did that's you see right. that? Yeah. yeah, Sergio, that's right. So... So these rosters, so it's good to see these guys land in places. It's interesting how the Twins have put together this roster, and I mean, I think it's to me, it's um, 
you know, they're maybe not blowing the bank right now, but I, I also know that that provides flexibility. So if they need to go get somebody uh, mid-season, trade deadline, you know, I think they probably have the room to go out and do that and not have to worry about the bank. So, so anyway, we'll see. Uh, uh, see how that all goes. But, yeah, it's exciting to see baseball starting. And, of course, that means we're getting a chance to hear from some of the players as they, you know, get themselves ready to go. And probably the one other interesting tidbit that came out uh, this week is uh, Louis Arise was interviewed, sort of his first reactions to how does he feel about sort of seeing his role uh, change from second base to Super U. Um, so we'll see what that happens and probably a lot of time in left field. So he was, the, the quote there was that he was, he was pleased with the signing, that he's happy to, you know, make the transition and is excited about being potentially the starting left fielder for this team, which I don't know about that per se. Um, I mean, it, I, you know, it's probably a fair bet that he might be in the lineup day one uh, out in left field, but uh, the, the fact that he was willing to take on that change uh, and do so without, you know, any kind of concern is actually pretty exciting. Uh, yeah. Hopefully he has a bounce back here. Yeah, I think seeing the Arise conversation and, you know, his potential in the left field, um, I we didn't ever really think about I we, we knew he would be kind of an infielder utility kind of guy. We never really talked about him as an outfielder a whole lot. Uh so I guess that would be um a little bit of a question mark for me in terms of him in the outfield i haven't i don't i don't think i've ever seen him play outfield i mean did he ever play outfield for us yeah yeah he's gotten some starts out did there a couple starts okay yeah so. I don't, he, he wasn't the second coming of willie mays well yeah of course not but uh you know i think he's he's serviceable out there mm -hmm. um i think what the twins are probably banking on a little bit is if he were to start in left field that's where the you know having byron buxton in center field helps a tremendous amount you know with the amount of range that he has and the amount of territory he can cover he could definitely help a rise out who's definitely not as fleet of foot uh in the outfield as most other guys i would say yeah i mean i think the only downside on this is i have a hard time believing i mean you know one of the reasons i think the twins let rosario go is because he wasn't a plus defender uh, really, and so now I, a rise I don't think is going to actually do much to improve upon Rosario's. I mean, I'd be surprised because yeah, a rise is not one of the, his gifts is not is not speed. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I think you know this is a temper. I mean, he's going to be the super utility guy. It's just that uh, early on he'll probably get maybe some more stars in left field because it's likely the case that the Twins are not going to start the year with Kirilov in left field because. If they can keep him down in St. Paul for three weeks, then they gain a year of control for him. And so one additional year of control uh, for a guy of that ability is sort of a no-brainer. I mean, that kind of stinks for Kirilov to, you know, have to sit down there in the minors and know that he's going to have to sort of be under arbitration eligibility for an extra year. But that's just the way the game is right now. So I anticipate that after about, a, you know, no more than a month, I, I expect Kirilov's back up is up. And that arise truly rotates into that super U role. The Marvin Gonzalez. Yeah, role. yeah, exactly. With Marvin, Marvin. So, so I don't think there's any question that there's an upgrade at the plate with uh, with Louis. I mean, the guy is like doesn't strike out. He's, I mean, he, I mean, he he's probably one of the odds-on favorites if he gets enough abs to uh, to be the the batting champion. He's just a you know he he rolls I mean, out yeah. of bed and he's a 300 hitter just yeah. roll, you know i mean with simmons too like yeah. you add those two guys to the lineup there's not going to be a lot of swings and misses between the two of them it's going to be a lot of balls in play which is 
only what you can ask for at this point, you know, I think with all these guys, you know, yep. hit looking for the, the home run or the strikeout, you know, like that's yeah. kind of where, like we've talked about this, that's kind of where the game's at right now and having two guys like that in your lineup who are pesky and are hard outs and it'll give you good ABs and it'll, you know. Can move a runner can, over. Can move a runner over, can get pitches out of, you know, an, an ace, you know, like and push yeah. push yeah. it to the bullpen. Like it's just the little things that, you know, we don't see the Donaldsons or the Cruises or the Sinos necessarily do as much because no, that's just, that's just not who they are. Yeah. These guys know their role. It right. sounds like Arise knows his role on the team and is willing to be flexible about it and kind of just go with the flow at the same time, you know? Yeah. I don't think there's any question about that, that, um, I like the versatility. I mean, I don't know what the numbers say. I mean, in terms of analytics, um, but I like the idea of having two guys that bring that to the game, uh, contact hitters, players that put the ball in play and let the game, the Ben Vandals. Of, the ben Vandals of, exactly. Of. Yes, exactly. Sort of your prototypical infielder, right? Like when you think about the historic, Types of infielders, not the kind of Alex Rodriguez type infielders. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, it's so yeah, it's exciting to see that. So it's going to be great to see sort of what the roster looks like. It definitely looks like it's filling out, uh, and we're obviously we'll you know see how things shake out here in the next few weeks um, with 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 uh, how the roster will shape up. But I think it's probably I don't I'm not anticipating too many surprises. That's for sure, mm-hmm. uh, and except for if there's injuries. Let's hope that guys stay healthy. I mean, I think we talked about this last time. Uh, it'll just be a big win to see the guys that you want on the field on the field on opening day and hope that that works out. And that hasn't been the case for uh, the last several years. So Mm -hmm. let's hope that that happens. So anyway, yeah, early on we'll be talking a lot more about Twins spring training in the coming weeks. But uh, there's some other news today. So speaking of displaced second baseman, Mm -hmm. Uh, there is another one who's displaced not just from their position but from baseball together. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> Ryan yeah. Dozier, uh, twin second baseman, um, uh, announced his retirement uh, today, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, it's, it's sad to hear because he gave a, the Twins a lot of good years. Last couple of years have been tough for him. Getting, uh, they haven't been that tough. He won a World Series. Let's this not is forget. True. This is, yeah, he did win the. He did get a ring with the Nationals. So you're right. That's one thing that he'll always. Even though I don't, I think he like maybe pinch ran twice in that series. Well, he so. got an A B or two. Yeah. You know, like yeah. nothing big, but like yeah. No, well, no, he still got the ring. You're absolutely right about that. So no, you can't feel sorry for Brian Dozier. He had a solid, solid career. He was, I mean, probably one of those guys who helped turn this franchise around at a point when things were pretty rough as we were transitioning from sort of the glory days of the early 2010s uh, with the Morneau-Mauer sort of combination. And then we went through that really tough, uh, that really tough decade, right? Um, and now he helped us turn the, t- the club around. Uh, I added a lot of pop to the lineup. I, you know, cr- crazy. Unexpected pop, I yeah, would say. Right, like I don't think anybody would have said that Brian Dozier is going to be a 40 home run guy, but he was for at least a couple of seasons. And so uh, he was fun to watch, um, definitely, to watch him sort of turn on that high inside fastball, mm-hmm. right? And, oh, yeah. And just wrap it around the foul pole or whatever. I mean, his home, he, he, he was no question a, a pole hitter all the way. Definitely. And probably was ended up being his demise is that he wasn't flexible enough to be able to figure out a way to adapt to 
pitchers finally figuring out that you just don't throw this guy a high side fastball. Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, anything on the inner half, because he, he would just open up so fast, you know, and, like, that was part of his downfall. Like you said, probably he just would fly open and anything on the outer half of the plate he'd have issues with. But anything middle in, you're definitely – yeah, you're looking. You're, you're 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 looking at some trouble for sure if yeah, you're facing them. Yeah. So, so what? I mean, if you're to think about sort of, you know, that's that's one player that we both uh, have watched together. Uh, that's now moved on. So, I, if, when you think about sort of your best memories of Brian Dozier, what what do you think about? Um, well, I, I two come to mind. The first one uh, being uh, the year he made the All Star game. He went yard in that game Mm -hmm. and I remember we were watching that all-star game and it was kind of a big deal because you know he was going off for us and you know he had his one at bat and it was your typical you know inside fastball like you know just turns on it goes to the left center um and so that was super fun to watch him do that in an all-star game kind of like a a a no-name amongst you know the Giants like going yard that was super cool to see uh he might have been one of our only all-stars that year too to so so yeah just to see that happen. The other one I'm thinking of is, um, I mean, I, who can forget the the six to one comeback against the Tigers? Um, I, it, it's really like I don't I don't think I've sat through a game like that where like you know like it's a typical like Twins have played crap all game. We don't deserve to win this one. It's six one in the ninth. Like, I'm about ready to shut it off. And I think I actually did, like, turn it off for a little bit, like, thinking it was over. And then I was able to switch it right back over um, and see the end and see that home run. But it was off our boy, Joaquin Soria, uh, who we love to hit against. Uh, And honestly, like, just the call um, from Dick Bramer and uh, Burt Blyland, it it was was just – the way they described it was the most electrifying moment at Target Field in years, and I think that was pretty close to nailing it on the head, if you ask me. It was super fun to watch him do that. So Yeah, no, that was super exciting. So I think that was huge because I think uh, the Twins and the Tigers were sort of battling it out for playoff position, and that pretty much sunk the Tigers, right? Like, we, we got that win, I think, did, right? It was – I don't think it was too late in the year. I think it was uh, – like July. It was – yeah, it was before the All-Star – yeah, it was before the All-Star break because it was the year uh, he kind of got snubbed. Like, he made the home run derby, but he didn't make the All-Star game mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there was, like, a little, like – it was it was kind of like his like in your face moment yeah, like I deserve right. to be there kind of like and he you could tell like he's running around the bases he's throwing his hands up like he's 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 fired up and Bert I think says something like you're not in the All Star game but like you just help beat the Tigers or something like that and it was super super cool yeah. super cool moment for him so no that's absolutely a great memory um, I mean yeah I mean that's the epitome of what baseball is all about right like you you have to you have to get the other team out you can't just run out the clock. And that's one of those games where most people would have said, well, this is over, and the Twins didn't give up, and Dozier with the big hit. And, yeah, I think that's probably, I would say probably is the biggest and most memorable Dozier moment. Um, I remember seeing him out here at Coors Field right before the All-Star break, hit a couple dingers against the Rockies. Uh, and so that was fun to see. We were actually, I remember he had really good seats on third baseline mm-hmm. yep. and got to see that. So it was fun to see him play. Uh, yeah, so best wishes to him. He's a great guy. I think overall, I think a good guy too, right? Like, um, 
you know, mm. played the game well, played it hard. Um, he had gray hair. Awesome hair. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He had really great hair. That's right. <laughs> that was always a big deal. So best wishes to, be, to, to, to Brian Dozier. Um, and so, yeah, so that kind of gets you into a little bit of a conversation about, like, where do you rank him in terms of sort of twin second baseman hmm. of all hmm. time? Like, you know, when you think about it, um, you know, where do you place him? Uh, you know, there's not... There's definitely some notable second basemen yeah. in Twins history, but it's not like it's a long lineage. Mm-mm. It's not like when you look at the when you think about the Twins in like positions, you think of like center field, right? You got, you know, the com, you know, you got Buxton before that, Hunter before that, Puckett, you know, sort of that long history, of, right? Even Denard Span, like you, you know, those are I all think, solid center fielders. Second yeah. base, you don't think about this long history of great second baseman. In fact, some of the most dubious baseball players to play for the Twins. Uh, we're second baseman, but um, it's best second baseman. Uh, I mean, we're. I mean, you limited knowledge. It's, yeah, yeah. Mine's history. Mine, mine's a little limited. I mean, Dozier's definitely up there. I think just from what I've seen. I, if we want to go way back, I grew up on guys like Louis Rivas. Um, you know, like the Matt Tolberts, you know, the Nick Puntos, you know, like not a whole lot to go off of. If you ask me from my, from my perspective, um, the Suyoshi Nishioka's, you know, he was a shortstop. Sorry. My bad. Who cares? Who cares? You know, yeah. Who cares? Who cares? Um, I don't know. I mean, for me, like, I mean, I think in my lifetime, I think Dozier's got to be pretty high up there. Um, I know before me, it was, you know... Well, yeah, Carew. Carew, obviously, so but, like... Top of the list. Yeah, right? yeah, I, th- I think, that, I think that's know. a no-brainer. Everybody yeah. would agree with that one. And there's the Knobloch's, Knobloch. you know... So, I would think, yeah, I would say, you know, Carew, Knobloch, Dozier, probably top three. I mean, after that, it drops off. I mean, then you're talking about guys like Steve Lombardozzi, mm-hmm. who played for the 87 team. I mean, he was no great shortstop, although he... Or second baseman... Although he had a ridiculous World Series, he uh, did. I don't know if you remember. If people know, but he he was the he came up. He's one of those guys. Like there's always that one guy, the unsung hero that steps up and win. You know, helps you win that series. Mm-hmm. And he was definitely our guy in '87. And so Lombo, uh, so yeah, so he's up there. After mm-hmm. that though, it gets it gets thin in a hurry. I mean, yeah, Punto, Denny Hawking. Danny I mean, Hawking. They were yeah. sort of like serv- they're serviceable. You know, they were Very. Good, good kind yeah. of pesky gamers. Um, you know, but then you can Tom, you know, was it Tommy Tuff, Tim Tuffle, Tim Tuffle, way back. You know, you wouldn't have any memory of that guy. Uh-huh. He was a pretty good hitter. He had a, he had a couple of years. But the other side of this is the notorious second baseman, and there's two that come to mind. Uh, guys that did not succeed. Uh, <laughs> one was Tommy Herr, who so Tommy Herr uh, was traded from the Cardinals. So he was on the 87 Cardinal team. I was going to say, that name sounds really yeah, familiar. he was on the 87 Cardinal team with the Twins beat. The Twins turn around and they trade Tom Bernanski for Tommy Herr. And by all accounts, he, he hated it. He did not want to play for the Twins. He did not fit in that clubhouse. He was a, It was like maybe, it, you know, we can argue about what the worst Twins trades of all time are. But I think that goes right up there, right? Tom Bernanski, one of the heroes of 87, a solid power-hitting right fielder. And they let him go for a, a whiny uh, second baseman who did nothing for the club. And then the other one I think about is Brett Boone, uh, who uh, brother of Aaron Boone, 
who had like a ridiculous season for the Mariners. Uh, and then the Twins signed him, I think, as a free agent, and he was awful. And it turned out is because he had he, the reason he was ridiculous for the Mariners is because he was on steroids. Mm. And so when they found out that and he didn't have access to those anymore, then he sort of tanked. And so those are like two notorious like signings, or, or that, that sort of some of the most dubious Twins players of all time. So, so anyway, Dozier is definitely not in that group. He's definitely in that upper echelon group. Definitely. And we wish him well. I'm hoping we're going to see him more around Target Field then because of this. Now that he's out of the game, he'll be one of those guys that maybe shows up once in a while. Who knows? Maybe the Twins will bring him along to be a special assistant or something. Definitely. It'd be great to see him out there uh, uh, helping out the club. Hopefully that happens. Who knows? We'll see. So anyway. Um, but yeah, in terms of other news, uh, the other big baseball story of the year is, uh, of the of the week just oh broke was that yesterday or the day before? Yeah, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. signed a contract. Holy crap, dude! He's my age. Yeah, fourteen. Fourteen years. years. Fourteen years. Three hundred forty million dollars. Three hundred forty million dollars. So that's like but almost twenty five million dollars a year for yeah. fourteen years. Yeah, that's that's insane money. It's insane money. It's it's really hard to wrap your head around like that deal, like fourteen years. Like yeah. I, we don't we don't you don't see guys get signed for fourteen year contracts fairly often. You see you see the occasional ten. You see an eight. You see a nine. 14 years. Has there ever been a contract that long that's worked out well? I, I, right. I don't even, I mean, certainly the guy's super talented um, and has every, we have every reason to believe that he's going to have an amazing career. So there's nothing, there's no question about his, his capabilities and his talent. I just, 14 years is just a long time. A lot of things can happen in 14 years. And so you think about the back end of that salary. Uh, assuming he's not quite the player he was. I mean, he still will not be that old of a guy, though. What is he, like, 22? He's just, yeah, he's my age. He's 22. So, so even yeah. then, like, he still isn't done. Like, he, assuming he plays, you know, keeps himself healthy, he's still probably got a couple years potentially after this. So who knows? Like, you know, I guess it's on some level you can think of it in that terms um, that, you know, they're getting this guy for absolutely the best years of his career, and he's already been a stud. And so it's, uh, I just don't, this just seems insane to me. But on the other hand, more power to him for getting the money. Mm-hmm. And obviously the Padres are all in. And, you know, and, and the good thing about this, we talked about this a little bit last week with the Arenado trade, is that they're backing it up by not just signing him to the big contract, but they're also surrounding him with players. They're, they're in win-now win mode. They're not allowing this contract to... to um, uh, deter them from making other big investments. And so, yeah, this is, and we've talked about this already, that the Padres are going to be a team to watch and clearly a team to watch for many years now with Fernando Tatis, you know, occupying a uh, shortstop position. Um, right? That's he's a shortstop, he's right? Shortstop. Yeah, mm-hmm. so there you go. Um, uh, it's, so that's pretty pretty, pretty exciting stuff. Uh, poor, poor Rockies, huh? <laughs> the poor Rockies. Yeah, like you know, you know, we still live here. You know, we're gonna be able to watch this guy. Like you know, he's gonna yeah ten times a year. Nine. I want to. I want to see. I I, I want to see him hit one into the. What do you call it? Up the, in center field. The, what, the, yeah, what's the grandstand called in center field? There, the rock pile. The rock pile. The rock pile. I want to see him hit one into the rock pile that at some happen. point. I it, think it he, might happen. He might be one of the guys to come pretty close. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Nonetheless, I mean, I I. When you sent me uh, the news that he signed, like, uh, 
the first thing that came to mind was I hope he stays healthy, you know, like it's like, like we've seen like these big, huge contracts and, you know, it's, it's just so hard to like, you know, avoid any challenges, you know, that come along with a contract that takes up that much time and injuries are always going to be a factor no matter who you are. And so I just, I I really hope he's able to, you know, like, ride it out and you know stay within you know his prime years and have some fun with this team but like I I just seem very skeptical about the length um and like you said like the back end the back end of that contract like what kind of player is he going to be because he's not going to be the player he is now so like who's he going to be is he going to be playing shortstop or is he going to be a DH you know what I mean like that's like the Padres must have a whole plan figured out or some kind of a plan for him but uh, I really hope that, yeah, he's able to just make the most out of this uh, and continue to be one of these bright, shining stars of the future for the league, hopefully add a little flair. You know, he's definitely capable of that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just going to be fun. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see these new guys bring something new to the table, uh, something new to the game, uh, and I think it's only going to benefit uh, the league as a whole. So... That'll be fun. That'll be interesting. Yeah, I think we've already talked a lot about Dodgers Padres being sort of the the featured rivalry this year, and it is yeah, you're right. You're going to be looking at Mookie Mookie Betts, um, you know, you got so it's like you got Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger sort of on the Dodgers, sort of the sort of the heart of the, that team with Machado and Tatis on the other side, two completely insane rotations. Uh, it's just going to be epic mm-hmm. to watch these games. I can hardly, I mean, seriously, I'm going to like, it's going to be appointment television when those two teams are playing. So I'm looking forward to that a lot. Um, definitely the National League is going to be fun to watch this year. Uh, and Tatis is going to be a big reason. So congrats to him. Uh, amazing deal. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, I will say this when you look at the other big deals out there, like Harper signed that deal. Uh, you got, obviously got Trout signing the big deal. Um, you look at those three, I mean, I would definitely, if I was to sort of rank them, I mean, I would say that Trout, you know, I, he's already proven to be one of the greatest players of all time, so that contract's probably going to pay off. But I would definitely put Tatis's contract, even though it's a little bit uh, richer, about $10 million, I just, Harper, I just, that's the one I don't know that's going <laughs> to, three, was it 10 years uh, th- three thirty or something. Yeah, something. something I, I just—that's that. another one, right? Is uh, well, if he gets, they get value. If Phil's get value out of that, then more power to him. But that's that one's crazy. That, to me, that's the one that's really crazy. I mean, I'm thinking about other longer term deals, not necessarily of the same length, but I like the Miguel Cabrera contracts a long time ago. You know, like. Oh, yeah, like, I can think of all like kinds of examples you, of con- long yeah, contracts that just have not panned out. I mean, right? I mean, it's not that the Miguel Cabrera contract didn't pan out. It's just that I think they overpaid for what they were getting the rest of the way. Because, well, like, the Miguel Cabrera that signed that contract is, you know, is gone. Like, he doesn't exist anymore, right, you know. Right. Like, it's, it's the old crotchety one that, you know runs halfway down the baseline on a ground ball to shortstop, you know, and, you know, is just trying to conserve every last ounce of baseball he has left in him, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to trash Miguel Cabrera, one of the great players of the game and um, one of the great personalities, too, but there's no question that he's not the, the player he was. I mean, yeah, you feel for the Tigers. I think they... I don't. 
I don't really feel for him, honestly. I mean, I, I, I do. I mean, you know, they, they, they put all their chips in the center of the table uh, with the Cabrera signing, and then they had Verlander and Scherzer. They had and Prince. They had, they had Prince, Prince Fielder. Fielder. Prince Fielder, another one of those long con. That was a contract that I knew was not going to mm-hmm. pan out. I mean, the guy, for as good as he was early, I mean, he just wasn't the body type to, to have a long term. So the Fielder contract... The Cabrera, they had Martinez, they had uh, Ordonez. Like, they had a solid team, and they just could not get themselves a title. You know, that that's the thing that's disappointing, is that they put together that kind of a roster, and they, they weren't able to get rings for those guys. Uh, but, yeah, lots of, I mean, the Josh Hamilton contract mm-hmm. uh, that the Angels wore, uh, along with the Albert Pujols contract, which, of course, Pujols, again, one of the greatest players of all time. But, I mean, I think anybody would you know, argue that his best days were in St. Louis. Um, he never, I think, has measured up in terms of, of what he could have done in, in, in uh, Los Angeles. And so, yeah, I mean, even, you know, there's a lot of guys where, you know, you kind of wonder about those long-term contracts. But, I mean, Tatis is probably one of the guys that maybe will make it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And let's hope that's the case because uh, the game needs players like him. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Definitely. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, I mean, like I said, there's a little bit of a dry spell here. We're sort of done with free agency. This, you know, spring training is just starting. Not a lot to talk about. Um, but, you know, we are in that time of year. Uh, that is fun. We're getting down there in terms of college basketball. That's right. Um, although I just have to say, man, okay, so I watched that Gopher-Indiana game last night, and I swear it's like, it. I feel like, we talk about Groundhog Day. Like, this is Groundhog Day. I mean, I, I love Gopher basketball. I've watched them since I was younger than you, much younger. And I feel like it's always the same club. It really is. It's like they're always a bubble team. Um, if they're a bubble, if they're going to make the tournament, it's always going to be a bubble team. We're always sitting on pins and needles on Sunday during Selection Sunday, waiting for them to get in. And they cannot seem to win on the road if their life depends on it. Like, I just, I'm watching that game. It's a winnable game. Uh, they're actually up, you know, midway through the second half, and they just couldn't find a way to close it out. And it just makes, drives me bananas. I mean, I love them. I love to go for basketball. I love, you know, there's no place better in the world, as far as I'm concerned, to watch a basketball game than Williams Arena. It's the coolest place ever. But gosh darn it, I wish they could find a way to get over the hump. <laughs> Finally, and have one of those teams that we think they always think like they could be like early this year. Like it was like, wow, this team's rocking it. They're playing awesome. Uh, they're, they're, they're going toe to toe with the best teams in the Big Ten. And then like here they are, they're playing, you know, the lower half of the Big Ten and they've completely Rutgers, yeah, Indiana. I mean, Indiana has 11 and 9 going into that game. They're a 500 club. And we made them look like, you know, Bobby Knight era Indiana Hoosiers last night. So I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a drag, man. Um, I'll still watch them. They're just kids. You know, they're, it's not that they're not working hard. And I think they're talented players. But just, why can't they win a road game, man? I mean. <laughs> just one. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit. But, like, like they're, like, literally, like, if they could have found a way to win, like, three Two or three of those road games, you know what I mean? Like, it's a completely different story. Instead of a on the bubble ten seed, we're probably a solid seven. You know what I mean? At least it's yeah. it's just like really frustrating. I think to see us, you know, be the only team to beat Michigan in conference this year, and then go and scrub it up against Rutgers in Indiana. Like, I just like the inconsistency is really frustrating to watch, and is a little bit like you know. 
are we for real? Like, I sit there and watch the team, and it's like, you know, outside of Marcus Carr at point guard, like, are we for real? You know, yeah. like... I mean, that's the problem. They don't have enough guys who can score. I mean, you know, I will say, I mean, obviously, Gabe Kelsher's out, broke his finger, and probably out, you know, for at least the next couple of weeks. He's had a tough season, man. Right. Yeah, but he's, I mean, but he's like a gamer. Like, he, he plays hard every day. He, yeah, he hasn't been able to, his shot has not been there, but he's played good defense. He's got that mature presence on the club. And so we lost him. Uh, I think Robbins is beat up. Um, and so they're definitely, you know, struggling with the injuries a little bit. So you can't completely blame them. But it's just one, like I said, it, that, that was a winnable game last night. And they didn't get it done. So anyway, you know, that's, that's the way it goes. And let's see, hopefully they can finish strong here. And then maybe they can make a little bit of a, you know, have, make a little bit of noise in the tournament. Anyway, I so. guess I don't know. Have you have you watched a lot of college basketball outside of the Gophers this year? Not a lot. I mean, watched a little bit of Big Ten, but not too much. But okay. it's like a weird year, right? Like this is like the perennial powers are not there this year. It's yeah. So it's I can't remember like how long it's been, but I saw a crazy stat where it's like the first time in like X amount of years that this is like the '60s. Yeah, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas. Kentucky. And Kentucky were all unranked at one point this year. I don't know if that's still the case, but it was the first time since like the '60s that that was that yeah. had, that, that had happened. So it's, like, yeah, it's insane. It's yeah. So we're seeing teams like like Baylor has a great team this year, you know, and Gonzaga was you know they're twenty and zero this year, so, which seems like they're always twenty and zero, and then they get to the tournament, and it's like uh, I don't know, yeah. but yeah. Gonzaga's good this year. They're legit. They got a Minneapolis kid, Jalen Suggs. God, maybe maybe that's the Gophers' problem. Honestly, is they oh, just always been like that's that. If we're gonna get to the root of the problem of Gopher basketball, it's keeping these in-state kids in-state. Like, oh, all these kids would rather go play for Madison or in Spokane, Washington. Or you know, Duke. or Duke or yeah, like it's literally anywhere but Minneapolis for these guys. It seems yeah, like yeah. so. That's that's exactly it. I mean, it seems like you can talk to. Year after year, there's been those guys who are the top-notch guys that they go elsewhere. We're not able to keep those guys home. Um, and, you know, and that's part of the – because the game is nationalized. I mean, these guys – it's not about your high school team. It's about your AAU team or whatever it is. Right. These guys are traveling. They're getting to play with guys from all across the country. Um, so there's nothing really about the local thing anymore. Not like it was back when Sam Jacobson was playing and, like, it was sort of a big deal. He was not – Nobody knew, you know, he was a high-quality player, but, like, he, he stayed home. I, you know, I remember all the way back to Khalid El-Amin, who played for you know, for Minneapolis North, where he committed to the Gophers when he was, like, I mean, literally, like, an eighth grader. <laughs> he committed to the Gophers and then changed his mind, went to UConn and won a national championship for <laughs> UConn. So, like, that's just kind of our history of not being able to keep the good players yeah. in Minnesota. And, it's yeah, it's painful to watch uh, to see these guys. It is painful to watch sometimes. But, like... It's it's also interesting because you got for for example like this year like you could probably call it one of the more difficult years to be in the Big 10 as a whole. You know, like it seems like the top half of the standings are all ranked and then the bottom half of the standings are not great but like still like 500. Yeah, like you're going to play again like a solid Indiana team who's going to give you trouble, you know, if you don't play well. So again like you you're you're upset with the way things have gone on the road, but at home it's a completely different story. So like you can kind of you just got to got take what you get at with the Gophers at this point. 
and I guess kind of just cross your fingers maybe that they find a way to win on the road. But, I mean, it sounds like they're pretty much solidified as, if anything, a 10 seed. Right. Uh, which, you know, is fine. Which is, yeah, like, I wouldn't want to play the Gophers and Marcus Carr as a 7 seed, you know, if I'm... I was talking to my buddies about this. Boulder is looking like they're going to be a seven seed. So if Boulder were to run into us in the first round, that would be a bad draw for them or something like yeah, that. No, you know. That. So uh, no, you got to believe that they're going to be. Uh, they may even be a favorite at a ten in a first round matchup, depending on who they match up. And when they won last time in the tournament, that's what they were. I'm pretty sure it was yeah. a ten. I think they're right? a lower seed. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so no, it's, you know, at least if they make it, then that's always something, right? So let's just kind of hope for that. Hope they can finish strong enough to make the club, make the make the tournament. I think most agree that they they've got a good chance of it. Um, need to maybe pick up another win here or so before the end of the year and then that yeah. Big Ten tournament. So and that's going to be all really interesting with the big with the, the NCAA being everywhere right. in Indiana. That's going to be another thing. That's going to be really interesting to watch how that all shakes out with the tournament being all in one place or mm-hmm. not exactly one place, but in, within a you know 150 mile radius. Yeah, uh, yeah it's yeah. pretty insane. So. Anyway, so let's hope the Gophers finish strong. It's the best time of the year. Baseball is about to start. Uh, hopefully the weather will get a little bit warmer, uh, and then we can start thinking about spring. Yeah, absolutely. I think you said it best last week. This is the most, I think, anticipated part of the year in terms of sports for us is, you know, baseball coming up, and then March Madness is kind of like a filler. And once you're done with March Madness, then you just – baseball's right there. Roll right you know, the so. Season. Yep, so – absolutely absolutely so i think that's enough for us right that's all we got this week guys uh make sure we are on twitter check us out on twitter uh we are currently in the process of getting our episodes on to itunes they're also on google podcast now if that's interested to you um go follow us on twitter look for some Twins Daily blog posts coming in the future. We uh, talked about that last week, but uh, those are currently in the works. And so hopefully by next week, we'll have a little more to talk about in terms of spring training. But uh, until then.